Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. We are thankful to have Pastor Darrell back with us, and please continue to keep him in your prayers, and that uh, anything that needs to be found will be found by the doctors and be treated and healed, just a complete healing in the name of Jesus. That's what we've been praying or believing for, and very thankful to hear that so far there, none of what's happened has caused any long-term issues, so we're thankful for that, and blessed to have him back. Well, <laughs> as... Pastor Theron uh, shared a little bit earlier. Uh, normally, I'm able to do things in the first service and make this message better um, and improve this service, but Theron apparently is not going to let me do that in one in one case this morning. So my sister-in-law over the Thanksgiving weekend shared a very corny joke, and my girls and wife thought that I should share it this morning, so I tried it out. Didn't go so well. Um, so whether you think this is funny or not, just laugh, okay? <laughs> So here's, here's, here's the joke. Um, what did the turkey say to the Internet? Google, Google, Google. <laughs> I, I think the thing that made it most funny at Thanksgiving was that my sister-in-law cracked herself up more than anybody else. After she said it, she just uncontrollably laughed for about five minutes. And so that's what I laughed at, not, not so much the joke. But So y'all got it too. I'm sorry. You can thank Theron where, wherever he's at. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We'll get there in just a moment. And we're actually going to be uh, studying Second Timothy for the next few weeks. Um, but, but we're going to start out in Matthew 11 here in a moment. Just to give you some background on the book of Second Timothy. Uh, this is the last known letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, and he wrote it as a personal letter to Timothy. He wrote it from prison, and it was literally a dungeon. Uh, if, if some of you know some of the history of, of Paul's imprisonments, you also know that some of his other uh, stints in jail or prison weren't really... I mean, he was arrested, but he was like under house arrest. And so the conditions really weren't bad. He was fed well. He could uh, have friends uh, bring him supplies and food and take care of his needs. Um, so he was not totally free, but he also wasn't in that bad of a condition. He was even actually allowed to write letters and uh, preach and all kinds of things. So he still had a lot of freedom in that house arrest. This arrest that he is under in when he's pinning the letter of Second Timothy was not like that. He was in a prison, literally in a dungeon, uh, and he didn't know it at the time, but this was his last imprisonment. This was going to end in his death. Um, and so it was not a good situation, but that's where he's writing this letter from. And he's writing it to Timothy to encourage Timothy. And Timothy, in spite of his calling and his giftings, Timothy was easily discouraged. And we know this from the content of the letter, uh, this letter in Second Timothy and also the letter he received in First Timothy. Timothy was dealing with fear, with shame, and even questioning the gifts that he had received when Paul had laid hands on him in prayer. The question I want to ask you this morning is, how could Paul, in the midst of being imprisoned in a dungeon, find the strength to encourage someone else? This isn't natural. It's not how we would act. It's not how we would respond. It's not, maybe it's how you would respond. It's not how I would respond. 
if I found myself in that same situation. I want you um, to bear with me a little bit this morning and join with me as we put ourselves in Paul's shoes. So imagine that you are arrested. You are in a dungeon. And you find out, we don't know how, either by a letter, by a word from the Holy Spirit, somehow Paul found out that Timothy was discouraged and he was having a hard time in Ephesus. And so, remember, we're in Paul's shoes. We're in the dungeon and we find out the guy that we mentored, the guy that we pastored, the guy that we poured into to be our representative to the Ephesians, to be the pastor there, is now depressed. And he's fearful and he's not living up to the calling that God had on his life. My response would be, what's the deal, Timothy? Suck it up. It would be a really short letter. And I'd be frustrated. I'd be like, you're on the outside. You're free. You Encourage me. How about you finally do something in return for me? I've poured into you. I've spoken the truth. God's blessed you and gifted you. And you're out there trying to pastor in my place. And now all I hear is you're you're ashamed and you're fearful and you're not doing what God called you to do. And I'm in a dungeon. And you're not encouraging me. But that's not how Paul responds. It's not even close to how Paul responds. The way Paul responds is by pinning the letter of 2 Timothy, a personal letter to Timothy. And he writes a letter of encouragement and instruction. And if you need encouragement this morning, I just want to tell you, you're in good company. Timothy, someone who literally walked and was taught and mentored and pastored by what most would say was the greatest of all the apostles, needed encouragement. He needed additional help. And Paul was kind enough and able to give that. And we're going to see how Paul encouraged Timothy in just a moment. But before we do, I want us to also look at someone else who needed encouragement. It's a man who found himself more in Paul's shoes than in Timothy's. But he handled it more like we would. And again, I'll take full responsibility. I'll say he handled it like I would. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist found himself in prison just like Paul. And he was facing death just like Paul. But rather than being the encourager from prison, John was the one that needed encouragement like Timothy. You can read along with me if you turned your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. It'll be on the screen if not. It says in verse 2, Now, when John heard in prison, so we know where we find John. He's in prison. He heard about the deeds of the Christ. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. 
It kind of sounds like an innocent question from John, doesn't it? He's just not 100% sure that Jesus was the Son of God, that this is the Christ that we've been waiting for, that this is the Savior of the world. He's just not sure, and he needs some encouragement. But that's just not true. We're going to look here in just a moment what John knew and what God had shown him, what God revealed to him. John, the Baptist, was the one that was called and even prophesied about uh, long before he was born that there was going to be someone who was to come to prepare the way for the Lord. The Savior, Jesus Christ, that was John's calling. That was his only purpose in life, was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he'd done it. He did it. The, the Bible later in John chapter 14 tells us that literally all of Israel came to John. Thousands and thousands of people were coming to John to hear him preach repentance and baptism. He literally baptized thousands of Israelites and telling and proclaiming about the Christ who was to come. And in John chapter 1 verse 29, we see the day that he baptized Jesus. It says, the next day he, speaking of John, saw Jesus was coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the son of God. So when John was at the peak of his ministry, when he had thousands of people coming to hear his proclamations, and when he saw Jesus, and it literally says God the Father had spoken to John and told him, when you see the Holy Spirit descend on my son, you'll know that's my son. This is the son of God. This is the one who you came to prepare the way for. John saw it all. And that day he confidently proclaimed, this is the son of God. No one could have convinced John the Baptist on that day that Jesus was not the Christ. That Jesus was not the savior of the world. That he wasn't the one that we had all been waiting for. Nobody could have said anything or done anything to, to make him think otherwise. But fast forward and we find John in prison awaiting possible death. And we know that, that he ended up dying in prison. And John's questioning. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. And they say he wants to know if you're really the one. Or if we're supposed to wait for another. And Jesus could have taken that as an affront. Jesus could have sent back, uh, sent them back to tell John, it's like, how could you? How could you get to this point? But Jesus doesn't condemn John. He doesn't chastise John. 
He just tells them, go tell them everything that I'm doing. And all those things were prophesied of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Only he could do all of those things. And he was basically saying, yes, John. Yes, I'm the one. And Jesus sent an encouraging word back to John. And the truth was, John had done everything that God had called him to do. He had prepared the way. He had decreased and Christ had increased. That was exactly what was supposed to happen. But the circumstances didn't play out the way that John thought they should. And that made him question everything. And I think the enemy was also attacking him and, and telling him lies and saying, John, this, you know, he was supposed to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He was supposed to take over the government. He was supposed to be this or that. This is what we expected. And John was buying into some of those lies and it discouraged him. But Jesus, in his grace and mercy, just sent back a word of encouragement and said, John, it's okay. You did what you were supposed to. I am who I said I am. I am the Son of God. You did what you were called to do. And I think John received that encouragement and was able to go home in peace knowing that he had done everything he had been called to do. Like John, I think many of us And again, I'll include myself, let our circumstances discourage us. Timothy was getting discouraged. He was allowing the circumstances to get him down and to make him doubt. But Paul, in prison, literally in a dungeon, not only does he not let the circumstances discourage him from that place, from that lowest point, he pens a letter to Timothy to encourage him. And it made me ask the question, how was Paul able to do that? How could he do that? And we're going to look at that in a moment. I think it's the key point of this first chapter in Timothy. And you can read along with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. You can either turn there in your Bibles or it'll be up on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved child. Some translations say my beloved son. Grace mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. 
For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has been entrust, what has been entrusted to me. And by the way, I believe that what Paul is telling Timothy there is God entrusted you to me. I believe and I am convinced that God is going to guard you. Everything that he entrusted to me is going to be guarded and he entrusted you to me. So have confidence, have faith. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. There's a lot of encouragement in that first chapter. He called Timothy his beloved child, his beloved son. He thanked God for Timothy and reminded him that he was praying for him day and night. He remembered Timothy's sincere faith. He encouraged Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God. He reminded Timothy he doesn't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. He tells Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of Paul, his prisoner. He tells Timothy that he's convinced that God is going to guard what God has given Paul. And finally, Paul reminds Timothy to follow the pattern that he taught him in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and to guard the deposit that's been entrusted to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's encouragement. That would have been an encouraging word to Timothy in the circumstances that he found himself in. It was a word to say, Timothy, take your eyes off of the circumstances. Take your eyes off of the people. Take your eyes off of everything that is going on around you and put them on Christ Jesus, your Lord. And the Holy Spirit that the Father sent you to give you love, to give you power, to give you self-control. I came across a a quote that I think puts that into perspective. He said, it says, be faithful. It's always too soon to quit. Be faithful. It's always too soon to quit. And like everything else, it has to be put into context. If you're living your own life, doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, it's never too soon to quit. You shouldn't have even started. But if you are following God, if you're hearing his voice, if you're responding to him like John the Baptist had, it was always too soon to quit. He didn't have to give up. He didn't have to give up hope. He could have stood in the strength. We're going to look at uh, those three words, the the love, the power, and the self-control a little bit more in a moment. But that word self-control really means a sound mind, a clear mind that God is able to look at this world, to look at all the circumstances in our lives and see clearly. He's not swayed by the circumstances, by the waves, by the things that we didn't see coming. I wasn't supposed to be preaching this morning. Pastor Darrell was scheduled for a series this, this time period. We didn't see that coming. God did, and he wasn't surprised. He wasn't swayed. He said, hold fast. He's doing something in Daryl and Connie. He's doing something in us. He's doing something in y'all during this time that we can't even comprehend. Because he has a sound mind. And John 
had he been living in that sound mind, could have sat in that prison and said, God, I see it like you do. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I did everything you called me to do, and now I can go home in peace. But he believed the lie, and he got discouraged. But Jesus, in his mercy and compassion, said, It's okay, John. I'm going to send you a word of encouragement. I am who you thought I was. It's okay. You did your part. Relax. Your job's done. And we can live in that, but it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. And we're going to look at that. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is how I believe Paul was able to be an encourager in the midst of a dungeon. To Timothy, who was on the outside and free. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, and we're included in that us. Not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The Holy Spirit is the source of our power, the source of our love, and the source of a sound mind or self-control. He gave us. It includes us. It included Timothy. It included John. The first thing that we need to see is not the three things he gave us, but what he did not give us. He says he did not give us a spirit of fear. And the word used for fear here is delia. It's literally literally the only time this word is used in the New Testament. Every other word for fear is a different word. In this scripture, it's literally the only time in the, in, actually in the Bible, because that's the only Greek is in the New Testament. It's the only time this word is used in the Bible. And so we're going to look at the definition of this. It could also be translated as cowardice. Another, uh, looking at it in context, there was a Roman Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, and he used this word in other non-biblical writings as he told the history of the Jewish people. And Josephus used this word as it applied to the spies who brought an ill report of the promised land uh, when, when Moses and the Israelites had left Egypt and they were going to go into the promised land. They sent 12 spies and 10 came back with an ill report and only two uh, had a good report. And he uses this word. He said they were cowards. They were fearful. They put their eyes on the giants and the circumstances and the things in the land and they took them off of God. But the other two, Joshua and Caleb, kept their eyes on God and said, we can take them. God's given us this land. God's giving us this power. It's by his strength, his ability. He promised us this land. And they didn't have fear because they were looking at God. And that's why fear is such a negative thing and why it's such a big issue in our lives. Because if we have fear, we're saying that we're looking at our circumstances. We're looking at the things that God can't handle or that we don't believe God can handle. So we're afraid. But Paul didn't have a spirit of fear because he had the Holy Spirit who was giving him not fear, but power and love 
and self-control or a sound mind. And that's what he's encouraging Timothy. Take your eyes off the circumstances and put them back on God. And there's nothing that you won't be able to do that he's called you to do. The next thing is what he has given us. He has given us a spirit of power. And this word power means strength or mighty work and ability. And I love this definition, inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. That's who God is. There is power residing in him by his nature. We don't have that kind of power, but Paul tells us the Holy Spirit will give you that power. The power of God that by its nature is power. It made me think of, uh, just trying to think of an earthly example, was like a locomotive train that's just sitting on the tracks, turned off, not working, functioning, just not being in use. It has an inherent power within it that when it's activated can pull an untold amount of weight. We see those trains going by loaded up with car after car after car after car, and it's pulling that just sheer power. And Paul says we can have that kind of power, not in our own strength, not in our own ability, but by a gift of the Holy Spirit who will give you all the power you need to do what God has called you to do. It's a gift from God. He also gives us a spirit of love. And I love this. It's, it's the word that you've heard many times, agape love. It's an unconditional love, an undeserved love. And that's the love that God had for us. That's how God loved us and sent his son to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us because he loved us unconditionally. But this isn't just telling us once again that God loves us. He's saying God through the power of the Holy Spirit, will give you his love. One of Timothy's problems was he was dealing with people. And he was getting frustrated. And Paul's telling him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the love of God. You can love your brother and sister like Christ loved them, unconditionally, selflessly. No matter what they act like, no matter what they do, you can have God's love for them, not by your power, not by your strength. It's a gift from God, the power of the Holy Spirit, his love in you. The Bible says that Jesus said himself, he said, that's how they're going to know you're from me, by how you love one another. That's the kind of love. And last but not least, he gives us a spirit of self-control and really that better translates as sound mind. And once again, in this one sentence, there's two words that are only used once in the whole Bible. This word for sound mind or self-control. Every other place you see self-control in the New Testament is a different word. This is the only place this word is used. And it's an admonishing or a calling to a soundness of mind. Saving the mind or a call to moderation. And that's where they get the self-control from. But I think that word self-control throws us off. It makes us think there's something that we have to do in that. And in this context, in this passage, there is nothing that we do in our own strength or our own power. And that's why I think looking at that soundness of mind 
is a much better way to look at it and putting you know it into context of John the Baptist when he was in prison that he could have looked at it at his circumstances with a sound mind with God's mind and seen the same situation in a totally different way because it wasn't about the circumstances it wasn't about the fact that he was in prison that's what Paul knew And in the end, he said, I could say, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've done what God has called me to do. And he saw it through God's eyes. And he wasn't discouraged. He wasn't depressed. He knew he had done what he was called to do. And we can do that same thing, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but because God enables us by the power of his Holy Spirit. The the complete biblical library dictionary gives us a great definition of this word uh, and i believe it puts all three of these in context it says this kind of self-discipline comes from the continuous reliance on the grace that god gives to individuals who trust him implicitly it's only by god's grace we put our total complete trust in him and through his grace he gives us a sound mind through his grace He gives us unconditional love for others. Through His grace, He gives us the power to accomplish everything He's calling us to do. But we have to trust God implicitly, which means without qualification or absolutely. In any circumstance, in any situation that we can still say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. But I trust you. I trust you. And if we're hearing his voice and walking in what he's calling us to do, we can have confidence and we can have faith and we won't have fear because fear does not come from God. When we sense fear, when we're timid, when we have that feeling, bells and alarms should be going off. You should look at that as, uh, okay, I'm obviously not in the place I should be. I am not trusting God right now. I'm looking at the circumstances. I've taken my eyes off of him. You know, the apostle Peter was able to walk on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as he took his eyes off, it says he looked at the wind and the waves and he was afraid. And he began to sink. And once again, Jesus didn't chastise. He just said, Pulled him up out of the water and said, come on, get back in the boat. When we fear, we know, you can know that you know that you know that your eyes aren't on God. Your trust isn't in him because if it is, there's nothing to fear. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to end up in a dungeon and killed. That was the end of John and Paul. But that was the end they were supposed to have. That was God's plan. That was his will. So following his will does not mean this easy, carefree life of no problems. But in that calling, in that life, we can do everything he's called us to do in peace and have his love and have his power and have his sound mind. Jesus in John 14:27 said peace i leave with you 
My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. You can have my peace. You can have my love. You can have my power. You can have my sound mind. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged this morning. You might find yourself, like I said, in good company this morning. Maybe you feel like Timothy. You're on the outside. You're trying to do what God's calling you to do, but things just aren't going your way or don't appear to be going your way and you need a word of encouragement. Or maybe you're like John the Baptist who found himself in prison who tried to do everything that God called you to do, but now the circumstances just seem horrendous and you find yourself needing encouragement. Well, John had Jesus and Timothy had Paul. And we have the Holy Spirit and we have each other. Receive encouragement this morning. Be encouraged that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose. And regardless of those circumstances, He's with you. He's with you. And this morning you find yourselves in the shoes of Paul. Maybe everything around you you should be falling apart. You should be losing your mind because nothing is going right. But you have God's peace and you have God's power and you have God's love. Encourage someone else in the midst of those circumstances. Call someone, send them an email, send them a text, invite them to dinner. Encourage someone. The Bible tells us over and over in the New Testament that we're to encourage one another, that we're to lift each other up, that we're to build each other up. Let's encourage each other in the Lord, in His love, in His power, and in His sound mind. We're going to have uh, some prayer teams up here in a moment. They would love to encourage you this morning. They would love to pray with you and agree with you in any need that you have. Pastor Darrell mentioned uh, before the service, if you have any prayer need, we will pray with you as a body. At the bottom of your um, bulletin, there's a connect card. You can put any prayer request on there, and that will be given to our intercessor team who will continue to pray for that and lift you up and your family and your needs in prayer. Get with someone. Somehow, Paul found out Timothy needed encouragement. Whether it was Timothy himself, another brother or sister, some Holy Spirit, somehow he found out. Reach out to someone if you need encouragement. That's what we're here for. That's what the body of Christ is for, as brothers and sisters, to encourage one another, to lift one another up. Again, the prayer teams will be up here in a moment. If you need encouragement, let us know. And we'll be there with you and we'll walk with you. Please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that while we were still in our sin, you loved us and sent your son. And then you said you were going to send us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who would... Show us all truth. 
And now we know will give us your power, your love, and your sound mind, your self-control. Father, I just pray over us right now that we would receive that, that we would receive your gift from the Holy Spirit, and that we will not receive the gift of fear from the enemy. Our faith, our hope, our trust will be in you. Father, you encourage us this morning. We receive encouragement from the Holy Spirit In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.